we're going to go ahead and get into the Word. And um, tell your Bibles, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2. And you can also turn to Ephesians chapter 1. So I've got two, two scriptures to start with. 2 Timothy chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 1. Hallelujah. What a message uh, Pastor Carla ministered last week on the spirit-controlled life. She, is, she has the, the, the motherly anointing. <laughs> such a, such a, a, a mothering heart, uh, nurturing at the same time, but corrective at the same time. And um, just wonderful. Hallelujah. And so if you're new here on Wednesday nights, it's kind of like Bible school. And we've been going through this, this book. Um, it's a ministry manual. And so it's been different outlines that... Dr. Savell had prepared for ministers, and we're, we're going through those. And uh, tonight, my topic tonight is becoming a spiritually strong leader. And, um, and so don't cut me off because you're like, well, I'm not a leader. Yes, you are. You just maybe haven't realized who you're to lead. You may not have embraced or truly seen really the influence that you're, you're called to have in your life or the influence that you're called to have in the church that God has planted you in. But whether you realize it or not, you are a leader. Uh, contrary to what people, um, well, you know, people say, well, you know, leaders are born. Well, yeah, they are. <laughs> they had to get here somehow. <laughs> but people have this mentality of... <laughs> But when people say that, they say, oh, well, they were just a born leader. Um, that's, that can be true. They may be born with some bold characteristics. But I know a lot of people that are born have, have, have leadership of boldness but have no character to sustain their ability to lead. And uh, they don't really influence people. And so people equate leadership with boldness a lot of times or really arrogantness. And not realizing, not realizing it's for a believer, it's... It's the, the spirit of God on the inside of me that will bring out and cause me to be the leader I'm called to be. It has nothing to do with my personality. I, I've heard people say, well, well you know, it's, I've, heard, it's, I've heard so many things and, oh, Jesus. I mean, people would say, um, you know, and they, they'd be, they would be, at, I'd be sitting with some pastors and I'm with Dr. Savell and we'd be with some guest ministers and, and they're like as rude as they could be to the waitress. And they're like, oh, this is my prophetic gift coming out. I'm like, wait a minute, your prophetic gift. I'm like, your prophetic gift coming out. I was like, no, that's, that's, that's your flesh coming out. That has nothing to do with your prophetic gift. And people equate these things and they call it, oh, well, it's just my personality. Well, no, no, you, your, your personality needs to get sanctified. And they'll say, oh, that's just the way God made. No, God didn't make you that way. No, you, you learned that somewhere and it needs to be refined. <laughs> and so I could stay on that for a while, but we won't do that. Um, but so 2 Timothy chapter 2, because my topic tonight is not about personalities, but it's about becoming a spiritually strong leader. Let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. It says, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. In the things that you've heard from me among many witnesses. 
He goes to say, commit these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also, meaning, meaning that you're a model to someone else. And those are other things that we could talk about, because it's, but it's dealing with being a leader. But the point I want to bring out of the scripture, it's, he says, my son. So he's talking to Timothy, which is the pastor of the mega church of the day, the biggest church in the world at that time, and it's the church of Ephesus. I believe Paul stayed there close to five years. He took off on his continued missionary journeys, and he established a young man by the name of Timothy over this. And so he says, my son, be strong in the grace and in the things I've shared with you. So he's saying, be strong, not just in the things I've told you, but the key is being strong in the grace. Can you say that with me? Be strong in the grace. You know, he didn't say be strong in your own personal ability. He says be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. So where is this strength going to come from? It's going to come from Jesus. This is a, this is a command. He says be strong in the grace. You may be, a, you may be a, 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 an at-home mom. You may be a business owner. You could be a restaurant owner. You could be a, a minister of the gospel. You could be um, whatever it could be. But whatever it is, you need to understand you need to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. You may have some people on your job that you don't get along with. Well, I want to encourage you be strong in the grace. There's a grace and a strength to deal with things that you don't like to deal with. There's a, what is his grace? His grace is abil- his ability on our lives to help us do what we can't do in our own abilities. So he says, be strong in the grace. Don't, so he's really correcting Timothy. He's saying, you're trying to be strong in you. But you need to come back to the point that you have to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now let's look at Ephesians chapter 1. Let's look at verse 2. He says, and this is his greeting to who? The church of Ephesus. Right? So we're dealing with, he wrote, it, he wrote a, church, a letter to Timothy specifically, who is the pastor of Ephesus. And now he's talking to the church of Ephesus. And I wonder who reads the letter to the church of Ephesus. Take a guess. Would it be Timothy, the pastor? Would he be the one that would stand up and read the letter to the church of Ephesus? Okay. This, can be, this is some participation. This is like Bible school, okay? I don't need amens, but, but, but just stay with me here. So he says, grace to you in peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So, so he's really telling them grace to you. You're, whatever you're going to do, whatever you, you're going to do, Church of Ephesus, is going to require grace to do it. Grace to you and peace from God. So where does the grace and where does the peace come from? And the Lord Jesus Christ. Hmm, wow. There's, there's a connection here. Paul never contradicts himself. The answer is always going to be the same is Jesus. It's going to be the grace of God. As, as, as much as I could read the word of God and as much as I could memorize scripture, if I do it without the grace of God, 
I will live, still live a defeated life. Because, because I always question all these things around me of why this and why that if I'm depending on myself to get the job done. So it's requiring the grace. Verse 3 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Now think about that. Blessed, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. Or you could say, who has given us. He's can you say that with it? He's given me every spiritual blessing. Now, if he gave me every spiritual blessing, that would mean there's not another one I could receive. He didn't say he gave me some spiritual blessings. He said he gave me every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So every spiritual blessing is found where? In Christ Jesus. So if I need it, I have the ability to obtain it. Because he's given me every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. What is heavenly places referring to? Heavenly places isn't referring to when I get to heaven. Heavenly places are that Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father interceding for me. And from, the, and from there, he has given me everything that I need to be successful. He's given me everything that I need to overcome. He's given me everything to, to, that I need so I can live holy. He's given me everything I need to, uh, to do what he's commissioned me to do in the assignment upon my life. He has blessed me with every spiritual blessing. He's given me every gift needed to slay any giant. He's given me every, every gift needed to go the distance. He's given me everything I need to stand and endure while I'm speaking to a mountain. He's given me everything I need to pray heaven's will in the earth. He's given me everything that I need. I'm, I'm not lacking anything. There's not something that I need to obtain. He's already blessed me with it. Too often as the body of Christ, we're waiting for something when he's already given us something. Too often we pray prayers that he's already answered. Too often we ask for things that, that we already have already had the ability to obtain and give us. You're like, what, what do you mean? You never have to play, Lord, bless me. That is a prayer that's really an insult in the face of God. Because when I made Jesus the Lord of my life and he became a curse for me, it said if I believed on him, it said the blessing of Abraham would come on the Gentile. So the blessing is already on my life. I'm not waiting for a blessing. I'm not asking for a blessing. The blessing is already on my life. I'm not trying to get a blessing. I am the blessed. I am the, I am the blessed and blessings follow my life because of who I am as a child of God. Do you see that? Every spiritual, I, I've been given everything I need to fulfill my assignment. But too often, we, we're, we're waiting for someone else. It's, 
It's like you, you have the, the disciples that were in the boat and you only had one that cried out for a revelation. When I say revelation, they cried out for a rhema. And it was Peter was saying, if you bid me come, come. And, and so Peter went. So Peter had to step out on the water. Because he had a desire for something more. But you know what? You'll never get out of the boat in your life if you don't start desiring something more. And when you start desiring more, and then what happens is then God will give you and provide the opportunities for you to step out. And when you step out, you'll step out in the strength. You'll step out in the ability because he's already given everything that you need on the inside of you to fulfill the assignment on your life. You are a, you are a spiritually strong leader. I prophesy that over, I decree that over your life. You are a spiritually strong leader. Hallelujah. So it says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. I'm in Christ. I am in Christ. I'm in him. He's in me. I'm in Christ. Hallelujah. We need to be built up. And as we are built up, we will operate in the strength of God. The truth is often we try to fight or try to stand, but yet we're undernourished. And if we're undernourished, we will always quit under pressure. If you are undernourished spiritually, you will always quit under pressure. The moment pressure shows up, the moment you'll stand, you'll you'll, you'll throw your hands up. But yet if you're nourished up, if you're nourished up, if you're if you're strong on the inside, if you are built up on the word of God, if you know that you are in Christ Jesus, when you have the word of God in your heart and the word of God in your mouth, if you know the Holy Spirit is on the inside of you, and you know that he's leading and directing and guiding your path, that will cause you to be strong in the midst of adversity. So we need to continue to build upon the foundation of our lives on the word of God to stand against any and all attacks of the enemy. Hallelujah. Go to Ephesians 4. We need to, we're in Christ and we need to be built up. Ephesians 4. Let's look at verse... Uh, thank you, Father. I think it's verse 14. Next, look at 11. And he himself gave some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. So the edifying of the body of Christ is for the edifying means to charge like a battery. If you edify something, then you make it stronger, right? So pastors and prophets, evangelists, and teachers are to edify the body. It's to make the body stronger. Correct? It says, Till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature and the fullness of Christ. So we're to be built up in such a way that we look like Christ. 
Isn't that what that says? It says, until we come to the, to the perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. The stature of the fullness of Christ. So it means if you look at that, you see the church, then you see Christ. Verse 14, that we should no longer be, taught, be children tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the cunning of craftiness of deceitful plotting. Meaning, we're not going to be tossed to and fro. And you're going to be tossed to and fro if, if you're not strong in the things of God. You're not strong or you're nourished up in the word of God. Nourished up and you know who, what, what the spirit of God is on the inside of you. You'll be tossed to and fro. You will always second guess your calling, second guess your purpose. You'll second guess things based on what the enemy is, is saying to you. You'll be tossed back and forth. Then he goes on in verse 15. It says, but speaking the truth in love... You may grow up in all things, grow up in all things into him, into him who is the head Christ from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies according to the effect of working by which every part does it share. Now listen to this, it causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So here, what I want you to see is, is that we, as individuals, have to grow strong. He told, he, told, he told Timothy, be strong in the grace. He says here, he says that we would be built up in him. And that we would grow up in him. That we would be established. As you are faithful, you'll be required to come up higher. And going higher will take courage in strength. Go to Joshua chapter 1. Let me make a statement I wrote down as I was praying this afternoon. I said, that, the Lord told me this. He says, don't wait until you have the assignment of Moses to start to develop your strength. Don't wait until you have the assignment of Moses before you start developing your strength. Too often we, we're waiting for something instead of instead of growing into into the assignment does it make sense it's like we want this we we desire that we we believe we've heard from god we believe we're called to this or we're supposed to do that and and but yet you're 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 not you're not standing strong in your current position let alone to have the the assignment of a moses I wrote this down. We're in a season that will require great strength and great courage. If you are pursuing after God, you will always, you will always be faced with a Joshua moment. Let me say that again. If you are pursuing after God, you will always be faced with a Joshua moment. What do I mean by that? Is Joshua... Followed Moses for many years. But yet when it gets to Joshua chapter 1. The Lord has to show up to Joshua. And say Moses my servant is dead. Let's look at that. It says after Verse 1 says. After the death of Moses the servant of the Lord. It came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua the son of Nun. Moses assistant saying. Moses my servant is dead. Now therefore arise. Go over this Jordan. You and all this people to the land which I'm giving to them. 
the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot would tread upon, I have given you, as I said to Moses, from the wilderness in this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites into the great sea towards the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I'll be with you. I will not leave you nor forsake you. Then he gives a command, be strong and of good courage. For to this people you shall divide as inheritance the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only, But only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or the left that you may prosper wherever you go. So you see what I want, I'm trying to communicate here is Joshua had an assignment. And, and be, why? Because he pursued God. And, and as you pursue God, you will encounter a Joshua moment. The question, and you'll be confronted, confronted with the same command, be strong and of good courage. Be strong and good courage. Verse 2 again, he says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan and, and get this, and you and all this people. Someone is waiting for you to be courageous. Someone's waiting for you to be strong. Someone's waiting for you to step out of the boat. Someone's waiting for you to, to stop being undernourished in your spiritual walk with God. Some, someone stop, some, someone's waiting for you to stop questioning your calling. Someone's waiting, it says, because, because it was in order for him to be strong and courageous that him and all this people would go with him. There's some people waiting on you to find your strength. There's someone waiting on you for, for you to, to say yes to God in your Joshua moment. You have an assignment on your life and you will, you will one day, if you truly desire to, to be everything that God called you to be, you are going to have a Joshua moment and, and, and God's going to may not say, Hey, Mo, Moses, my servant is dead, but it might be some to the fact of, Hey, it's time to go forward. It's time to get up. It's time to go forward. You're created for more. You were made for more. You're born for more. Hallelujah. Go to 1 Corinthians 16. And with this statement, the Lord told me is, it's time for you to lead. I didn't say it's time for you to leave. I said it's time for you to lead. Some of you are like, well, thank the Lord. I was ready to go home. Because we can have this mentality that I'm waiting. I'm, I'm, I'm waiting for someone to see me. I'm waiting for, I'm waiting for something. I'm waiting for something and I'm waiting for something. And, and really, you're, really, you're wishing that you could do more instead of just go ahead and just be more. And, 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 and instead of just, 
You know, it's like that, that phrase. I know we've heard this phrase before. It's like so many people are waiting for a move of God instead of just being a move of God. People are waiting for some sort of revival instead of having a personal revival themselves. And so it's sometimes it's, it's always waiting on someone else. And, and, um, and, I, and I saw this scripture um, in a different light. And, and I, I want to start reading verse 13, but then I want to go back, because that's when the Lord spoke to me that statement about it's time for you to lead. Verse 13, Paul is encouraging the church of Corinth here at the close. And he says, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. Let all that you do be done with love. And, and as I was reading that, and, and I knew that scripture, and, uh, and, and it's a great encouragement because he says, one, watch, be alert, be ready. That's, I mean, that's, that's going to be a key to fulfilling your assignment. Your, your, your assignment is not going to be fulfilled by you, just, by, by you just putting your hands back and just folding your arms and say, well, one day. No, watch, meaning, meaning you've got to be ready. Then he tells them, stand fast in the faith, meaning, meaning stand fast in the faith, meaning your expectation is already ready to, you already have an expectation for something to happen. Do you have an expectation that you will fulfill your assignment? I mean, it's like I, I'm expecting to God always. I'm always in a mode of expecting God. Show me the next puzzle piece in my life. Uh, and, and when I see that, okay, now I can release my faith in that. So he says, be He says, watch, stand fast in the faith, faith, and then be brave. Be strong and let all that you do be done with love. And when the Lord said, you need to read this in context. And so I said, okay. And so the Holy Spirit said, go read verse 12. He says, now concerning our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to come to you with their brethren, but he was quite unwilling to come at this time. However, he will come when he has a convenient time. I'm going to read this in the Amplified. This is actually my, my very first Bible from January of 1993. This is my very first Bible. It's large print. I can, I can read this one. It's <laughs> <laughs> but he says, you like the tabs? It's back when I didn't know the difference between where, where, where anything was. But let's see. Verse 12, he says, As for our brother Apollos, I have urgently encouraged him to visit you with the other brethren, but it was not at all his will or God's will that he should go now. He will come when he has the opportunity. And the Lord said that, told me this. He said, people are too often waiting for Apollos to show up. They were waiting for Apollos to show up. And he was saying, I urged him to come. They were wanting Apollos to show up because they looked up to pa Apollos. You know, I mean, Apollos was second to them, to the Apostle Paul. 
I mean, if you go to chapter 3, they, Paul tells them, and they were trying to compare between Paul and Apollos. And, and, but what does Paul tell them? He says, he says, Paul says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So Apollos was a big part of their growth in, in, in their life. And yet, so Paul was really speaking to their heart because they're waiting for Paul to show up or they're waiting for Apollos to show up and neither one of them were showing up. And Paul says, says it wasn't his, I mean, Apollos was, I don't want to go there. I don't know why he didn't want to go there, but we also know it wasn't God's will for him to go there. But instead, Paul goes on and he says, he says, it doesn't matter that Apollos doesn't show up or not. You have, you have to be watch. You need to watch. You need to stand in faith. You need to be brave and you need to be strong. It doesn't matter if the man of God is there or not. It doesn't matter if the, the TV preacher is there or not. It doesn't matter. What are you going to do with your calling? What are you going to do with Are you still going to be brave? Whether I'm here, what if, what if Annette and I just happen to not show up? Is, is, is nothing just going to happen? Or are you going to say, wait, I got a word tonight. I got a word tonight. You, you, you've got to be ready to step into that place and not waiting for someone else. Now, that doesn't mean you're arrogant and you don't respect leaders and honor your fathers in the faith and honor, honor the teachers that are over you and honor authority. I'm not saying that. But what Paul was telling them, stop waiting for one of us to get there. It's time for you to be alert. It's time for you to be brave. It's time for you to be strong. And as you do these things, you do it in the love of God. Becoming a spiritually strong leader. If you're going to be a spiritually strong leader, you, it, it's going to take you stepping out and doing something. Paul constantly commissioned, encouraged, and commanded this strength. Ephesians 6.10 says, Be strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Why do we need to be strong? Because if you have an assignment on your life, the enemy is going to do everything he can to keep you from that assignment. You know, there's, there, I, I, there, I believe there's a couple people in here. It, it could be one. It could be more than one. I just sense in my heart that, you know, it takes courage to obey. And there's some people in here, you're frustrated that things aren't happening quicker. You're frustrated that you're not being used. And the Lord wants, to tell, wants me to tell you is, it's time for you to be brave and obey. It's time for you to be brave and obey. He can't entrust you in the next season until you obey. And, and the Lord said, you're, you're, you're getting frustrated at other people. You're, you're, look, you're, you're seeing yourself as a, as, a, um, as a victim sometimes. You're seeing yourself in, in different lights. And, and you're frustrated with everything. And the frustration is because you haven't been obedient. The frustration isn't, is, the frustration isn't, isn't um, it's, it's, it's just, it's really, you're, it's, you're frustrated yourself because of your disobedience. 
But you just, just got to do it. You just have to do it. And I'm saying this by the spirit of the Lord. I want to start closing with this. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. So Timothy was the pastor in Ephesus. And this constant encouragement to be strong in the Lord. So let's this last thought. If you're taking notes, you can write this thought down. I need to use what God has given me. I could take this in different directions, but I'm not going to be able to tonight. But so go to second Timothy chapter one. I need to use what God has given me. Thank you, Father. Second Timothy chapter one. So this is, remember, this is the same chapter, I mean, same book that we started with in chapter 2 where he tells Timothy, you, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace. So he's talking to Timothy here in verse 3. He says, I thank my God whom I serve with a pure conscience as my forefathers did, as without ceasing I remembered you in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see you. Being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. Being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you, which dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice. And he says, I'm persuaded is in you also. So he's talking to Timothy and he's, saying, he's trying to remind Timothy, look, I, I know your grandmother. I know your mother, Timothy. And they were women of faith. I saw their faith. And not just that, but I want you to know, Timothy, I believe God chose me or told me to choose you because you have that same faith also. Faith is courage. Faith is, is, is courage to, to, to stand when no one else stands. Timothy was wanting to give up. Timothy was wanting to throw in the towel. Timothy was wanting to, to just forget this. But Paul had to speak to his purpose by reminding of him what was on the inside of him. He was saying, you've got the faith. You've got what it takes, Timothy. I want you to know that if you've been coming to Heritage of Faith long enough and you've been hearing the word or you've been in the word long enough, you've got what it takes. I'm just reminding you of it tonight. I'm encouraging you with it tonight. Then he gets to verse 6 and he says, Therefore, so because I know of this faith, I know your history, I know where you came from. Because of that, I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Meaning he's saying, when I laid hands on you and I ordained you in the ministry and I, when I laid hands on you, there was a power and there was an ability that went into your life, Timothy. 
You're not lacking anything. There, there's nothing that you're missing on the inside of your life. You, you need to stir up the gift that's on the inside of you. You need to fan the flame of the gift that's on the inside of you. You need to remember that the spirit of God is on the inside of you. God, you are God inside minded. You've been outside minded, but you need to know that you are God inside minded. And the greater one lives on the inside of you. So stir up that gift. Stir up that inner strength. Stir up that inner fire that came on the inside of you when you were baptized with the Holy Spirit. Stir up that gift and the flame of it. And then he says, then it says, there's a comma for. Why do I need to stir up the gift? Because God has not given me a spirit of fear. So there was a gift that came on his life when he, he, Paul laid hands on him, but yet the enemy sent a different gift. The enemy is always going to try to give you a package. <laughs> I've been listening to David Youngie Cho and he says, you need to stop signing for the packages that the enemy sends you. <laughs> you, he, you need to return to sender. <laughs> this is not your package, he says. <laughs> For God has not given you a spirit of fear, but what has he given you? Hallelujah. So the gift that came on by the laying of hands is the gift that brings about power, love, and a sound mind. You you have everything that you have need of on the inside of you. The issue is, what gift are you going to walk in? The gift that the enemy brings by the spirit of fear? Are you going to yield to the gift that is power, love, and a sound mind? I've given you dunamis. I've given you great power and ability. You need to know, you're not lacking anything. You're not lacking anything to fulfill your assignment. He's given you love. He's given a sound mind. The word, the phrase sound mind in the Greek, the Greek word is, probably won't say this right, but it's sophronisimos. Sophronisimos. And so what does sound mind really mean? It carries the idea of being under control and calm. So when he laid hands on him, Paul saying, you have the gift, stir that gift up. And when you stir that gift up, what is that gift going to release in your life? It is going to release power. It's going to release love. And it's going to cause you to be under control. So let's use what God's given us. Let's use the power he's given us. Let's use the love he's given us. And let's use the discipline he's given us. For the strength, Paul Paul told these things to Timothy. Thank you, Father. For the strength he would need, Paul was saying, draw on the power and the love and the control that comes from the Father. So that was that point. Use what God's given you, and then this is the last thought you can write down. 
settle it in your mind that you have a divine commission. Settle it in your mind that you have a commission from God. Now, I'm not saying that you need to know what that is tonight. But you need to solidify in your heart that you have a divine commission from God. And do you know what that means? I'll tell you what that means. That means you don't have a right to quit. If you have a divine commission from God, you don't have the right to quit. Because it's God's commission on your life and not your commission on your life. I don't have a right to stop being a pastor. Because it's his divine commission on my life. Because if you truly understand it, his commission becomes my mission. And therefore, I don't have a right to say no. I can say no. I can quit, but I don't have a right to. Because it's his commission. That's, that's strong, isn't it? That's strong. Wow. I could say no, but I, ultimately I don't have a right to. Well, going the distance means we don't have the luxury of going halfway. Knowing you have a divine commission will outweigh and outlast any of the enemy's schemes. And I'll close with this scripture. 2 Timothy 1, we're already there. Let's look at verse 10. But has now been revealed... Actually, um, I'm in the right place, yeah. But has now been revealed by the appearing of our Savior Jesus, who has abolished death... And brought life and immortality to light through the gospel to which I was appointed a preacher. So he had a commission. He was appointed a preacher. He had, had an assignment. He was appointed an apostle, a teacher of the Gentiles. Do you see that? He had an assignment. What are you appointed to do? What are you commissioned to do? For this reason, I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed. For I know whom I believed, and I'm persuaded. I'm persuaded. I'm persuaded. I mean, I'm not move. I'm, I, I can, you can't move me off this. I'm not going to quit. I'm persuaded that he is able to keep me, to keep what I've committed to him until that day. Meaning I've got an assignment on my life, and that assignment is going to be fulfilled because I know in whom I have believed. I'm fully persuaded. I'm not going to quit. Why? Because I'm fully persuaded. I know in whom I have believed. And he is able to keep that which I've committed to him. And then he goes and says, hold, hold fast the pattern of sound words which you have heard from me. And faith and love which are in Christ. That good thing which was committed to you. Keep by the Holy Spirit that dwells in you. The strength comes from the Holy Spirit. Meaning all these things I'm sharing with you, all these things I'm telling you with Timothy, keep them in the Holy Spirit that dwells in you because this is how you're going to operate. This is how you're going to fulfill the assignment on your life. Hallelujah. So I declare over you, be strong. Fulfill your assignment. Hallelujah. 
Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you that it empowers us, it equips us, it equips us for service. I thank you for the anointing, the anointing that equips us for service. Lord, I speak over every assignment in this room. I speak over, over every assignment that's watching, watching by way of internet tonight. And I say, assignment be fulfilled. I declare assignment be realized. I say assignment come forth. And I say be strong and courageous and fulfill that assignment in Jesus name. Amen. Do you receive that teaching tonight? Give him a shout of praise for the word. Thank you for the word. Thank you for the word. Hallelujah. I believe we were challenged tonight. All of us were challenged tonight. I was challenged tonight. Hallelujah. Were you challenged? Hallelujah. Mm, Thank you, Father.